who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist, a confidence boost before your interview, or a last minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Do you ever feel like in the beginning that you have to say it differently each time to give some variety? I do, but I did that in the beginning where I started saying it differently, and then I just fell into saying it that way every time. (laughs) So it really just... Now I'll be like, and I'm Madigan. Like, I have to, like... But I also feel like there's a certain expectation from our listeners that we're going to do it the same way every time. I know, but we got to throw them off the game a little. You guys can't get, don't get too comfy. Don't get complacent. Um, okay. what, are we, what are we talking about today, Keegan? I also want to let them know before we even get started. Oh, okay. We are pre recording because we're both going on vacation. Right. So. Again, every time we do two episodes in a day... The second one is going to be weird. (laughs) Things get loopy, man. And so that's what's happening right now. Um, But we, today, are talking about a very exciting topic. Mm -hmm. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Manic Pixie Dream Girl! So the dictionary actually does have a definition for Manic Pixie Dream Girl. sure does. And it is, Noun, especially in film, a type of female character depicted as vivacious and appealingly quirky, whose main purpose within the narrative is to inspire greater appreciation for life in the male protagonist. And this term was coined by Nathan Rabin in 2007, who found it grating, believing as a result of wish fulfillment of stir-crazy writers. Right. So in a review he had for the movie Elizabeth Town, which yes. not a good movie. Haven't but, seen it. But whenever I... I actually watched it recently. Yeah? Um, but whenever I was a kid, I saw it in theaters. Oh, that movie came out in 2005, so I, I was 15. I saw it in theaters, and I was obsessed with Orlando Bloom, so I liked it. It was quirky in the way that 15-year-old me enjoyed. Yeah. But it is in no way a, a masterpiece of cinema. Right. Well, and we're going to talk, too, about how these Manic Pixie Dream Girls do become a source of inf- inspiration, I feel like, for a lot of women. Oh, for sure. As for me, for blue- sure. Oh, same for me, as a blueprint of what we are expected to be in the male case. And it's incredibly problematic. It's incredibly problematic. So, um, Nathan Rabin, yep. in his... Um, in his review for Elizabethtown, when he was talking about Kirsten Dunst, Dunst's character, Claire, he said that the manic pixie dream girl exists solely in the fevered ima- imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries. Sorry Your if you can hear that. cat is having a great time outside the store. Yeah, if you can hear that, it's that my cat is just having the time of her life. With Which Matilda deserves to have the time of her life, because she gets bullied by Hicks quite a bit. Her, my cat, I know we don't really actually discuss our animals as much as you would think, but, like, my cat, Matilda, um, her one true joy in this world is her, is her ball. ball. She loves playing with that ball. Like, she plays <laughs> fetch. She will entertain herself for and hours. Then, and then Hicks will, like, see that she's having fun and be like, fuck you, and he'll, like... Yeah. And her fun and, and like, start he, fucking with her. And I love Hicks. Hicks, Hicks is the sweetest boy. cat in the world, but... But he bullies Matilda he hardcore. Does. Um, okay, Okay, sorry. so that definition, I'm just going to read it again because I feel like we got distracted by cats. Yes. Um, 
The Manic Pixie Dream Girl exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries. Exactly. So this can also be kind of mirrored to, I want to bring up if something you've probably heard of called The Magical Negro. Oh, yes. You know about The Magical Negro? Of course. Good. Okay. So I found most of this information, by the way, on tvtropes.org. It's a great website. It gives you a lot of great examples. I kind of like started clicking on lots of different stuff and learning about different tropes and it was very fun so the magical negro is there in order to show the world that minority characters are not bad people one who will step forward to help a quote-unquote normal person with their pure heart and folksy wisdom and um yeah they're usually black and or poor they step in usually in clean white suits into the life of the most privileged and almost always white central character to enrich their lives yeah i think morgan freeman has played this character many times many times legend of bagger vance with will smith yeah these characters Characters that kind of they they step in to teach you a lesson and then they magically yeah. disappear. Yeah, even Will Smith and Hitch, even though he's the main character, he still is kind of the magical Negro helping like the white men in his life become right. better people, things like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, and there um, is yeah. Stephen King is known for this to the point where Key and Peele did a skit wondering if Maine, where King grew up, was full of psychic black people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so if you watch The Green Mile, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, yeah, I yeah, but the that Green is Mile. a good example of the magical Negro. Right, and of this kind of, like, kind-hearted, soft, who's there to teach you a lesson. Yeah. And that's the same thing with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. She is there, and it's very problematic, both for the Magical Negro trope and for the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope, because they are there fully as a side character, not as, like, autonomous individual human beings. They don't have any depth. They are there specifically to uh, help the male protagonist move forward in their story. She is typically stunningly beautiful, but doesn't know it. And white. We're going to talk about race. uh, A lot. Yeah. Energetic, high on life, and full of wacky quirks. And but really cute quirks, not like but weird not weird, quirks. and that's something that I talk about later in my notes too. Where when I when I was a young adult, I felt that I was always expected to lift up the men around me to be quirky but not weird, smart but not smarter than him, have dry sarcastic humor with a potty mouth, and most importantly, to be aloof and cool with everything. So and that for me, cool. effortlessly yeah. cool, and that's something for me that that's what I took away from that. And when this character trope became popular in, like, the mid-early 2000s, sorry, guys, for my phone going off, um, it was something that I was like, this is what guys want. They don't want to hear about my past. They don't want to hear about my feelings and my emotions. They just want to see me for being cool and aloof, and I, I should be smart, but not too smart. Like... I, well, like, I'm weird. Yeah. Like, I'm a weird person, and I was trying to suppress that into just being quirky. And then as soon as guys really get to know me, they would be like, she's crazy. Right. Okay. And that was really heartbreaking for me. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's kind of a thing here where it says in this Atlantic article, men grow up expecting to be the hero of their own story. Yeah. Women grow up expecting to be the supporting actress in someone else's. Oh, and so it's so true. And using Elizabethtown as kind of like an example of that, she swoops in at a time when Orlando Bloom is at his lowest, right? He is going to commit suicide. Spoiler alerts ahead in case you've never seen Elizabeth. I've never seen it, but I'm okay with that. And she kind of swoops in in all of her honestly preposterously quirkiness with all of this like energy writing a map for a stranger and kind of like at the end of the movie this man she's known for a week she and I thought this was the coolest thing ever when I was 15 but she creates a map for him to have a road trip back from Elizabethtown to Portland Elizabethtown in like Kentucky back to Portland and she creates this map for him and a soundtrack and as he drives through each each location on the map it's it's timed perfectly with the soundtrack, right? Right. And Which so is it's, cool. It's very cool, but, like, but unrealistic. Yeah. And then another characteristic of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl and the Magical Negro is that they kind of dissolve into a puff of glitter whenever yeah. their purpose has been fulfilled. Right. When they they've gotten, they're not a lasting thing because you can't uphold this facade because the Manic tr- Pixie Dream Girl does not exist. As soon as she, she is still she got, a real person. Right. As soon as she got into a relationship with the protagonist, all of that kind of like amazingness that you saw in her would fade away, which yeah. is what we saw in 500 Days of Summer. I was just going to say, can I start talking about 500 absolutely, Days of Summer? Absolutely, absolutely. So, for those of you who have not seen the movie, spoilers ahead, 
So Tom falls in love with Summer, and Summer warns him many times through the course of this film that she does not believe in love, as she views it as this fairy tale-like notion. But Tom gains his own tainted views toward the po- prospect of a relationship with her, and he's like, "Why, why won't you love me?" But we had sex, and like, blah, 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 this whole thing. So we are predisposed to see Summer as a horrible person because we see Tom's character develop and not hers. Tom is the main character of this story, and in the beginning, they're like, "When Tom was young, he believed in love, and blah blah blah." When Summer was young she her parents got divorced and she cut off all of her hair and anger and blah 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 so we see the difference between the two characters but we are following the lovesick one so we are on the journey of the lovesick man rooting for our protagonist therefore right. summer being a real human being i felt bad for him when i was young and first well saw this i mean movie. i think we've had this conversation when we talked about say anything it's designed to make you feel bad for it him. is because though, it is from the male perspective right even though summer did nothing wrong even yeah. though summer from the very beginning was very clear with her thoughts and yeah. intentions we still feel bad for him because we have this idea of what the manic pixie dream girl trope is supposed to be and and because he feels so strongly for her and loves her so much we feel that they should end up being together even though tom really is not right for Summer. And so Summer breaks Tom's heart and ruins his views of love. And he's this broken shell of a man. And then Zoe Deschanel, really through her whole role in this film, is just to bring Tom up. Except for a beautiful monologue at the end of the film that basically says, I changed my mind. I'm allowed to change my mind. And because she fell in love with somebody else, she's engaged. And Tom is like, why couldn't you do that with me? Blah, 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 blah. Why wasn't I good enough for you? And she's like, no, it's not about you. I'm allowed to change my mind because I found somebody that doesn't just see me as a thing or as an idea, right. but as a real person. Yeah, and in that way, I think 500 Days of Summer actually kind of turned the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope on its head a little bit. It did, In that it made her a fully realized person yes. who had needs and wants that were outside of pushing your storyline forward. Exactly. So it shows the dangers of idolizing women as things rather than respecting them as real people with their own complex outlooks. But the issue that I've seen is that most of my guy friends that I've ever spoken to that I'm like close with when I talk about girls with them is like, I want like a Zoe Deschanel in 500 Days of Summer. Right. But I also, okay, I think they want a Zoe Deschanel period because she became kind of like the The face face of of Manic Manic Pixie Pixie Dream Dream Girl. Girl. But... If you've seen 500 Days of Summer, I don't know why you would say that. But a lot of people still don't see, like, there. it depends on how you want to see that movie. And I feel like there are still people who see that and want want a girl that's going to teach them things and a girl that's going to turn their lives on their head. It's not my fucking job. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying is that even though, because I didn't, I, watching that movie when I was younger, I didn't watch it and say, oh, wow, it really changed my perspective about that woman. No, it changed my perspective of how Tom should look at love. So when he goes to the job interview at the end and he meets someone named Autumn, it's showing that, oh, look, he has another chance to make things right. That was my takeaway from it when I was younger. As a feminist grown woman now watching it, I'm able to see uh, Summer's importance in the story and to see her as being the heroine of the story as well. Um, But I feel like if you don't want to see it as turning the Manic Pixie Dream Girl on his head, you won't see it that way. Well, I feel like that's everything in general. So uh, when it comes to Manic Pixie Dream Girls, like not just Zoe Deschanel, although she has become kind of the, the, the face, face of that. Yeah. Um, it's also your Natalie Portman's in Garden State. Mm-hmm. It's also your Kate Winslet's in Eternal Sunshine. In the Spotless Eternal Mind. Sunshine. That it's, was another one. That's another one that I always think of when I think of Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Right. And but it, even she tried to turn on his head because where's Well, where's she had problems. Quote? She had problems, but she also says, where Here is the quote. Too many guys think I'm a concept, or I complete them, or I'm going to make them alive, but I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. So even she tries to kind of be like, look, I'm not going to be that person for you. Yet, because the movie is in the perspective of Jim Carrey's character, we are seeing, we are rooting for him for the most part. Well, I mean, and it's not just in the perspective of that character. I think a lot of these movies also, what you have to understand is that they are written by men. Yes. So these men have this concept of what what they want to help propel their male characters forward. Yeah. And self-actualize in a way. Yeah, and it's interesting because it veers 
the audience away from the typical, like, hot girl next door. Like, the nerdy, usually chubby, video game-loving guy having a thing for the hot, blonde, popular mm-hmm. girl next door. It does kind of turn that on its head in a way, but then it becomes this other trope of... I mean, even then, that is that is still kind of Manic Pixie Dream Girl because you're seeing this hot, popular girl and not necessarily for who she is as a person. We're just seeing her as being this blonde bombshell. Right. All of all of these are it, so this idea of all of this is is sexist because what you're doing and what all of this has in common is that you're removing autonomy from yes. women. So you're, I feel like most men though would say, "Oh, but I'm trying to show that it's okay to be in love with the nerdy, quirky, but only a weird very girl. very specific, specific aspect of nerdy and quirky." Well, it's something it's that not I love nerdy and quirky in a way that's like really weird that, or that's real. Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> that's legitimate. It, it, it's but it's, it's, in a, it's an aesthetic. You're falling in love with an aesthetic, yeah. which I think is a problem. I was a big fan of Chloe Grace Moretz's character in 500 Days of Summer because there's some quote that she says, because she's the, the little sister of Tom's character, Joseph mm-hmm. Gordon-Levitt's character, and she's like, she's not your soulmate just because she likes the same weird crap that you do. Yeah. Like, she yeah. sees it for what it really is. And, like, I like that they had that character in the beginning of the movie because it does make us think a little bit about, like, okay, yeah, you both like the Smiths. And right. you both like, oh yeah, she's really weird. She helps you break out of that shell, but you can't take ownership of that person and think that you're soulmates if not both people feel that way. You have to be able to like step away from that. Then. Right. And I think it was very damaging for girls at this time because of course I was coming of age yeah. you know, at the time when the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, I feel like, was kind of at its height. It was it Garden was, State. Yeah. It was 500 Days of Summer. It was yep. uh, Zoe Deschanel going into the new girl and yeah. all of that stuff. It was, it was that. And so for me, outside of it being like, I'm not that person because almost every single time it's it's a white girl and that yeah. it, it wasn't something that was attainable yeah. for people yeah. of color, for girls of color. But outside of that, I did like indie bands and I liked all of that stuff. And so I did think, okay, well, if this is something that guys like, then maybe I can monopolize on the fact that I do like Belle and Sebastian and Camera yeah. Obscura and like that I'm, I'm kind of interesting and quirky yeah. in that way. Well, that's but, what's interesting, though, is that eventually Nathan Rabin kind of um, disowned the term because no, he felt like he did. it was making all quirky women like they were calling every quirky girl the manic pixie dream girl and that's not the case but that's also like yeah the the point that I was trying to make though with that is that it sorry you felt like you could capitalize even though you weren't of the same like skin color right but but I couldn't because because in these movies almost never is this a fully realized human being. No. So you can get you can get the guy doing that thing. Like totally. I, I did that. But you cannot maintain it. You, you the can't guy. maintain it because it's like, okay, if you're using these movies as kind of like a how to guide, right? Yeah. Then what next? Yeah. It can show you how to get a guy interested. It can show you how to get him on his feet and get him in a good headspace, but it can't ever show you what to do next. And it's not an equal relationship. Yeah. I've felt it kind of from the other side, even as a more grown woman, without it being intentional. I had a situation like a year and a half ago where I was in a play and I was really good friends with this guy and I I don't really know how to turn myself off from being who I am because I shouldn't have to because I am a quirky, weird, inappropriate person and I like just for example and we can cut this out if we want to but like I was like chatting with this guy a lot and I gave him rides and we like became really good friends Chris was out of town and we both wanted to see Doctor Strange so he's like let's go see the movie together I'm like okay cool like most of my guy friends would like text me from outside and be like hey I'm here and I'll like come to the door and like get in their car and go and he like comes in and he's like all dressed up and my mom is there visiting me because it was like Thanksgiving time and she's like you're going on a date and I'm like no I'm not no I'm not going on a date she's like yeah you're totally going on a date and it comes out later that like I'm the only girl that ever understood him and like he's so in love with me and that's why he can't hang out with me anymore and like um, even his roommate was like I can tell that you're unhappy with the guy that you're with and you should be with him because he's gonna treat you right and I'm like he doesn't really even know me he no, knows he the, the side of me of you. exactly and that's something that I've said to guys for years because it's like just because I don't know how to turn my own 
self off. I'm not going to pretend to be shy or be standoffish because that's not who I am because I want to gain real relationships well, and friendships with people. Regardless, I don't see why no one else is ever asked to turn themselves off. So exactly. why would you? Exactly. There's so, no reason why you would ever... Like, that's fucking his problem. That's not your problem. Exactly. But it was made to seem like it was my problem. And he's like, don't worry. I'm not going to be bothering you guys anymore. Which okay, made me feel... Okay, though. Right, but it made me feel really, really upset because this was somebody that I genuinely felt was my friend to find that he was only putting in an effort because he was hoping that I would leave my boyfriend who I introduced him to brought him into my house look I have a dog I have a boyfriend I have a very domesticated life in that sense and I'm very set in my ways this and I've made it very clear that the person that I am with is the person that I am going to spend the rest of my life with it has already been decided and that is not going to change and the fact that he had the audacity because of the way that I spoke with him and was friendly to him, that suddenly I owed him something, well, was incredibly and hurtful. It, it, it's beyond necessarily like even owing him something. It's like that is a danger in these movies. That is part of the danger in these movies. The same way that we've discussed how like women romanticize um, certain aspects of like rom coms, where yeah. it gives us certain expectations. Yeah, it's okay for guys to treat us like shit. It gives yeah. men, these types of movies give men certain expectations where if you meet a girl who's fulfilling you in this way or they're making you feel alive, yeah, that, that you're must the only mean, girl who's ever understood me. Right, that that must mean that you that are meant soulmates. to be together. And it's not. It's me being an empathetic, loving human being who cares about you and wants to be your friend and wants to be there for you. And also, everybody else in that whole circumstance saw him and another guy uh, being like, oh, they're totally in love with you. They're totally in love with you. And to me, that was incredibly hurtful because I'm like, isn't my friendship enough? Right. Aren't I enough just being a person and not necessarily being as something to be well, but, yeah. one? Man or manic as... pixie dream girls are not fully actualized human beings. Exactly. Yeah. And they saw one aspect of my life. They saw me at play practice or when we were all hanging out together. They don't see me when I am completely broken down and crippled by my anxiety and depression they don't see me when i'm having a bad day like that and i always say that to people i'm like i may seem like i'm like a great idea but like ask my boyfriend i can be tough sometimes just like he can be well tough that's sometimes every fucking human being because we're um, people well yeah but i, I mean, am not an idea and i'm not saying i'm i'm the ideal manic pussy dream girl i'm not saying that at all but i'm saying that I feel that it has been problematic in my life because of the turn of its popularity being around the same time as me going into young adulthood and the way that I felt I was expected to behave and the way in turn that even when I decided not to behave that way that men reacted to me. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, no, it, it it absolutely makes sense. And I, I felt like I just rambled a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Um, but it, it, it does make sense and it absolutely, I think is a direct result of us having come of age at a time when this was expected of you. Or if you were very interested, as I was, in independent movies, in independent music. Because yeah. I, I was. I didn't listen to the radio whenever yeah. I was in high school. God, that's me now. I listened, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm late to the game. All I do is listen to podcasts now. I don't yeah, listen to the radio. But true. I didn't listen to podcasts when I was a kid I or in high school. I listened to indie rock bands yeah. or I listened to singer-songwriter bands or yeah. I sought out music that I thought was kind of like interesting and I did get into a lot of... Because but you had already also, happened to been interested in that stuff. You I, I was interested in You weren't in it. like, I'm no. just going to do it for the sake of some I, I was interested in it regardless, but what it does do is it puts you in a place where you end up in conversations with people where you're like, oh, where, well, where guys will oftentimes say something to you like, oh, you probably wouldn't understand. And you're like, actually, I do um, understand. their third album is my favorite album. This is my favorite song on that album. And it gets you sucked in. And then in that way, they think that you are so like interesting and fascinating. Oh, you're not and, like other girls. Exactly. 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 And at the root of it, that's what the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is. It's yep. you're not like other girls, Ugh. which is the most disgust. Because what's wrong with other girls? There's nothing wrong with other girls. But yet when we hear it, we still think we're so special because yes. we want to be different than everybody else. We've and, been conditioned to and, believe that that's a compliment. But that, but this is the thing is it's not a compliment, one. But also I want somebody to look at me and say, you are unlike anybody that I've ever met. 
It's not right. that you're unlike any other girl. It's like you are you're unlike special. anybody that I've ever met because to me, you're special. I see you as who a you special are. person. Yeah. You're, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with other girls. It's just, I see you. But they you, will say it like that, which is will, problematic. Which needs to change. And even if you mean it with the best of intentions, realize that uh, the way that it's being said is not helpful. I love other girls. So, I think other girls are kick ass. I, you know? I mean, a lot of the things that I've learned in life as far as fashion choices, music, uh, podcasts to listen to, advice, it's mostly from my fellow woman. Yeah. Other women are the people who have helped form me. Yeah. You know what I mean? To the person that I really am. When I was younger, I felt like I was very much being formed by male, from a male perspective. Mm -hmm. And as an adult, I feel like it's my women around me who have really helped me find who I am, and I've said, I like that about that girl, I like that about that girl, this seems to be, like, something that is me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have there been any, like, specific instances that you can think of where you felt like you've been victim of this magic pixie dream girl, or even of the magical negro in some way, where you felt Um, like you were a secondary character? Oh, um, I mean, I think my whole life I felt like a secondary character. I really had to examine that at one point in my life, where I had to even think about... Because the, the black woman is usually the best friend, too. Right, right. And so uh, there are all aspects of this. I really had to examine at one point in my life where I even thought about the dreams I was having when I remembered my dreams. And if they were romantic dreams, I really had to stop and think, like, am I even envisioning in my own dreams that I'm the main character of my dreams? Yeah. Or am I a side character in my dreams? Am I in pursuit? Is it always a romantic comedy in my brain where the woman is typically not the main character, and if she is, it's in a very problematic kind of way where the yeah. guy saves her. Bridget Jones' Diary. Right, you right. Know, you know, and, like I, and yeah. again, I love these. I love, love romantic comedies. I love romantic I love comedies, them. yeah. But for me, I think I always wanted to be the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, and I had all the attributes of that. Yeah, I wore definitely. Vin- I wore vintage clothing. I listened to indie music. I yeah. I did the pinup girl thing. I did all you of that stuff. You were friends with lots of guys. I was yeah. friends with tons of guys. I wanted to be that cool girl. Yep. But mm-hmm. I feel like feel what guys... Cool Girl could have its own episode, but oh, yeah. I feel and like should. what guys wanted of me, especially having grown up in a very white space, was black women are not the manic pixie dream girl. Black women fulfill another stereotype oftentimes yes. where they're kind of like the earth mother. They're kind of like, they can be soulful in that way, but they're never girly or childish. I feel like it's the earth you know? mother and it's also um, like a sense of... I, what's the wording I'm looking for? They might be sassy. Where it's like sassy, but also like I dated Strong. I dated a black woman, so I don't fall into X Y Z. Oh sure, or I, to I, I say had that, all that the they've time. had that to, to be dated more. So I feel like that I've to seen check it that. off the list. Yeah, that definitely was something I experienced. Fetishism, or where yeah. they're just like I I really like black girls. Right, you right. know what I mean? Yeah, it was it was fetishized in a way yeah. where it was something to check off of a list. Yeah, but I do think when we're talking in terms of like manic pixie dream girls, it's like. Black women are not often seen because there is an aspect of manic pixie dream girls that is childish, yes. and and black women are not often seen as childish. Well, because they, t- I feel like even black women can tie into and correct me if I'm wrong, but can tie into the magical negro in a way where it's the manic pixie dream girl mixed with the magical negro, right? To create this soulful, yes. funny, sassy best friend who tells it to you like it is. Or if they're dating you, they're here to give you advice to help you get your fucking shit together. To show you yeah. a different culture or a different whatever, which right. is fine. A different you perspective. Should. You should share your perspective and mm-hmm. different perspective, especially if you're with somebody who is of a different skin color than you. Um, but that should not be your sole reason to being in love for with that existing. person or for being with that person. And then once you've gotten what you want from that person to leave or to stop treating them as a human and with respect. Right. I think the issue with, like, Manic Pixie Dream Girls, Magical Negroes, all of these, like, tropes is that you want these people so long as they fulfill this purpose for you to... It's a stepping stone, right? Like, you're using this person as a stepping stone in your life to get you through one 
period of your life. Yeah, they say that a lot of times the manifesting dream girl in movies is like coming while you're in mourning from a past relationship. Like they're right. coming or you're in at when you really spot. need it. You're at a really low spot yeah, in your life. Yeah, you've experienced a death. You're depressed. You lost your job. And they are there to show you what life is all about. Which right. I want to make Loosen this Loosen the tie. Dance in the rain. Exactly. It, there's nothing wrong with showing people that there is a better side to at life. All, no. But it is wrong if you are the person on the receiving end to uh, boil a person down just to being that existence. Right. I mean, and, and again, just because since it was the movie that had him coin the term, and I watched it recently, if we're talking about Elizabethtown, her purpose really was him. Mm-hmm. And the relationship was incredibly one-sided. Yeah. You, you don't see anything about her life that he's helping her with. It's a very one-sided relationship. It is all about her helping him through this time in his life. And yeah. he doesn't have to really give anything. No. He's taking, taking, taking from her. Yeah. And she's fine with it, and it's fine, but, like... The second she may need something... Is he going to be there, or is their relationship all about... Or he's going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right, no, thank, hey, thanks for the help. But this is too much for but me. But I don't need you anymore. I'm yeah. I'm better now. You yeah. know what I mean? Thanks for showing me what life was all about. I'll really appreciate that mixtape. But like at the end of the day, our relationship was built on you helping me, not me yeah. helping you. You know? Um, I really want to watch this movie by Zoe Kazan called Ruby, Ruby Sparks. Sparks. Have you seen it? I haven't, but I really want to watch it. Too. I really want to watch it. Uh, it's about a male... I love Paul Dano too. Yeah, it's a male writer who is struggling with his writing, and he essentially creates a woman based solely by his imagination. And it is a manic pixie dream girl woman. I read it is some yeah. about this. Movie. And at the beginning, it is seen as like romantic and positive, but as time goes on, we see the dangers of treating individuals as concepts or objects. Rather than as people and I think that shows a really because it is entirely in his imagination it is not a real person and even then he is slowly able to kind of see you know we are able to see where this is like okay this is getting into a weird situation and I learned about something else that was really interesting to me maybe you read about this the algorithm defined fantasy girl no tell me tell me tell me (laughs) it is basically manic pixie dream girl but with robots or uh, alternate like intelligence what (laughs) Think about, like, um, what's her name? Like, Joey or Joey in Blade Runner 2049, which oh, I, I never, haven't I seen. I never saw 2049. Or Blade Runner you, is one of my favorite movies. I know it is. That's, yeah. why I, that's why I wrote it down. Have you seen her? Yes. Her. Okay. Okay. It's like alternate intelligence. What's, is it alternate intelligence? What AI. Artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence. Yeah. Thank you. It's basically that, where it's it's in your imagination. It's something that isn't real, and uh, yet well, they're like finding it's like attachment Lars and the real to girl. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yet it's finding attachment to something. Well, I mean, I think that that is what it is with, with Ruby Sparks. I think the idea of, like, you you can create someone who's perfect for you, but is that what you need? Do you know what I mean? Like, because no. when you can, yeah, <laughs> because it makes it way too easy. It's too easy. You need someone who's going to challenge you. There's yeah. something really wrong with people who not wrong with these people, but there is something wrong with the idea of wanting to be with someone who doesn't ever challenge you ever. This is interesting, and I didn't think about this before, but you bring up a really good point. So I was a really big fan of How I Met Your Mother, and it's it's uh-huh. kind of hard for me to watch now. It is, yeah. But there is an episode all about a couple that challenges each other versus Lily and Marshall, who are like, they've been together for 10 years, and like, they agree on everything. But honestly, most of the time, they agree on everything because Marshall is just so non-combative, and Lily is such a strong personality that he'll just kind of go with whatever she says, mm-hmm. just not to rock the boat, and because he just wants to make her happy, which is fine. If that works in their relationship... And some relationships work that way. It's fine. But then Ted always looks at their relationship and compares his relationships with women where he's the worst at relationships and nitpicks at them and in this particular episode it's about when he's dating this girl who is trying to tear down or no who's trying to preserve this building that he wants to tear yes, down to build the new like uh, uh bank or whatever for barney's company and like they argue about everything like they can't agree on anything which that is not Healthy either. either. But they're showing you two very drastic differences. And basically, Marshall is kind of the person that's like, no, like, it should be easy. It should be easy. And, like, yes, relationships should not be a constant struggle. If you feel that you are constantly having to work with a challenge, that's not okay either. But I also feel like there is an issue if you look at Lily and Marshall's relationship because... um, 
I mean, Lily is kind of a manic pixie dream girl in a way. I think a lot of... And She's Robin. Kind of bossy. But, yeah. And Robin, too. I feel like both of them, for the most part in the series, were seen as um, ideals and they weren't as fully actualized and throughout the series, maybe a little bit here and there. So don't, you know, fight me on that. But um, I feel like it's interesting to look at the differences and how Ted viewed his relationships and how we were supposed to think that Lily and Marshall were always the f- perfect couple, even though there were times where I was like the way that she is treating Marshall is not fair. Well, and here's the thing, like, I believe that my relationship is very, like, equal, and I do believe it's very easy. We we don't fight very much, but you don't have to fight to be challenging each other. Right. I think we hold different views, and we can have conversations where we are able to articulate why we believe what we believe and have those conversations, and yeah. we can challenge the other to think about things differently, Yeah, and I feel that's like, important. But I feel like people... My whole point, I guess, in that yeah, whole yeah. rambling thing was that if it's hard, it's not worth it. As I feel like what's hard. seen a lot... No, if it's too hard, it's not worth it, but I feel like it's seen that, like, the reason that oh, Lily and Marshall were always seen as the perfect couple is because it was, it was so easy yeah. because one person always gave in. And you know which what? Which I don't think is... I don't think it's healthy I don't think that's healthy either. I do think that part of the purpose of the Manic Pixie Dream Curl, part of why she manifests in, like, a puff of fucking, like, whatever... Purple glitter. Glitter. Um, the reason why she manifests sometimes is to challenge the protagonist. It yeah. is to, like, get him to, like, see things in a different way. The only problem with that is she is not actualized in a way that's, like, real. Yeah. It's all to serve. It's all for his benefit. Yeah, and he is not helping her in any sort of right. way. It's, and, and that's not how Which life we should, works. We should be supporting each yeah, other. Yeah, it's it should be about challenging each other to see yeah. things differently. Yes, yes, you should have someone in your life who wants you to embrace dancing in the rain. You yeah. should have someone in your life who's listen, able to do listen that. Listen to Taylor Swift's Fearless album. You'll feel it. <laughs> listen, listen to that. But you should also have somebody who's able to no, ground yeah. you in like a really real and not oppressive way. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's something, you know, not just to always just be like, oh my god, my boyfriend's so great, because, no, you know, we're talking we, about have our own, we have our own issues. So we're going to talk know, about but, our boyfriends, of course. Right, but something that I've always really appreciated is that he will call me out if I am victimizing myself, if I am being too self-involved, if I am doing those things about myself that I know that I tend to do sometimes uh-huh. and want to catch myself on and he is able to you know it's it's always hard to hear that from somebody when they say things yeah but he has a way of saying it to me that is still loving and understanding and calling me out on it to make me a better person rather than to say it to put me down because I have had relationships where they will say things like that and it is to put me down right yeah Exactly. I mean, and there are a couple other things that I kind of want to touch on as far as, like, uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girls before I kind of, like, lose my mental place. Okay. Um, I... The Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope is we've already touched on the fact that it's usually white Mm -hmm. women, and their protagonists are usually white men. Yeah. In fact, I can't think of one that wasn't. Um, Me either. But it's also very heteronormative, which I think a lot of people have had issues with and taken issue with the fact that it's it's always straight couples. I cannot yeah. think of an instance of... Can you imagine, like, a lesbian movie of two Manic Pixie Dream Girls? Or but one that wasn't one that wasn't would be, I, like, I think the... Have you ever seen Blue is the Warmest Color? I haven't. I really want to see it, but I wonder, because I know one of them has blue hair, which I know doesn't mean that she's a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but... but it's an indication of a free spirit! It is, because usually the Manic Pixie Dream Girl will have, like, colorful hair or, like, wear super weird things, so I'm wondering she's if quirky. there is... Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, it, I wonder if there's some sort of, like, Element indication. of that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to watch that and get back to you on that. Yeah, yeah. And if you've seen it, let us know what you think. Yeah. Um, I think also the other thing that I kind of wanted to touch on when it comes to manic pixie dream girls is, especially within feminism and just like in in our society in general, I think that there is something of a, not I don't want to say demonizing, I feel like that's too strong of a word, of being girly and yeah. being and having kind of like a childlike wonder and we kind of see it as like why can't you be more serious like there was an episode of the new girl where i think it was lizzie kaplan's character was kind of like a very far more serious and zoe deschanel was like i don't understand why you don't like me and basically lizzie kaplan was like 
I feel like too much glitter. Yeah, I yeah. need too many polka dots. I feel like grow up. Like be yeah. a, be a grow up, grown up adult woman. And she did have this kind of like monologue where she was like, that was a great So monologue. what if I like like cupcakes and kittens make me cry and, I have and touched glitter within the last twenty four hours? Yeah, and like yeah. that's who I am, and it doesn't make me. She's any also less. a teacher, right? Like a I think so. elementary teacher. Yeah, yeah. And like it also is one of those things where it's like you live your life. You can be a grown up, and you live your life kind of like in cohesion with those kinds of things like I take care of children for a living because I feel that I do have a childlike sense about me I like to do arts and crafts I like to play I like to be weird and to me like those two things go together right I don't have to be in a business suit and looking a certain way when but also yeah life like I can be a grown-up and still enjoy all of those things yeah and also but also like if that is who you are don't feel like you need to fit into this other stereotype it's it's totally weird if you are if you are a more mature type of person like there's nothing wrong with that and believe it or not the super mature straight laced woman in a pantsuit can be friends with the kindergarten teacher who's got you know putty under their fingernails and glitter in their they hair. balance each other out yeah you can like you don't have to be in competition with those other people right and I feel like that is something that just TV tropes in general do but I feel like specifically when we're talking about the manic pixie dream girl it does create some sort of competition as well right again because all of these movies and all of this narrative is within it's by the male gaze for the male gaze right yes and it's written from that perspective yeah yeah can i talk about a man who has written about the manic pixie dream girl who has tried his hardest to get it right <laughs> yes yeah um I went through a huge John Green phase, oh, which I'm John sure Green, a lot yes. of us did. Yeah. And he has been scrutinized for the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but I feel that he has at least attempted to make it be seen as something that is problematic. And that is in two examples that I am going to say now. I read The Fault in Our Stars first, loved it. In that story, it's actually kind of the guy who's the Manic Pixie Dream person who comes in just to make a difference in the girl's life. He, it he can does. be argued. He he does yes. In that in that sense I would say yes. But I also feel like he is so much more like self actualized. He is, he is. But some people have said that he could be seen as a male equivalent. Yeah. Anyways, that but we're not gonna talk about that book. We're gonna talk about Looking for Alaska. Have you read it? I have not. It's fantastic. I fell in love with that book. I started writing a screenplay about that book. I'm obsessed with it. So looking for Alaska, there's this guy, they go they're like at a boarding school and there's this kind of like nerdy kid who like totally falls head over heels in love with this girl and the idea of this girl and then she goes missing and he spends all of and it's, it's kind of the same as paper towns which i'm also going to talk about uh-huh. um but he has such a strong idea in his head of who she is and as he starts learning more and more about her and and the real problems she's been through having slept with other guys you know the fact that she may be quote-unquote ooh promiscuous or you know she's it's not, not what you imagined in your head she was yeah therefore yeah. she is not you know she is not right and that is also yeah it determines her worth in a way that like it exactly and they talk about that a lot in this season of um 13 reasons why too Mm -hmm. which i really appreciate so he that was kind of his first attempt of being like look just because you have an idea of this person doesn't mean that she can't like she's still a real person people are never one-dimensional yeah they always have aspects they have pasts they're human beings yeah but people read this book and they still didn't quite get the point. So people start reading Paper Towns, which mm-hmm. he did make a movie out of, which makes it even more. Um, with Cara Delevingne, right? Cara Delevingne, yeah. Mm-hmm. And with uh, fucking, what's his name, who I love? Uh, the brothers, Alex Snow. They were the Naked Naked Brothers band on Nickelodeon. I don't. I never watched <laughs> that it. That was but before I my time. <laughs> I remember like commercials. Or after for my it, time, really. But I don't remember what they were called. But I love them. Nate oh Nate Nate and Alex something. Anyways, so they in this movie, it's the same kind of thing where this girl, like they have the guy and the girl, the girl's popular. Um, I found it interesting that they chose Cara Delevingne. While she is a very beautiful woman, she is a little bit more unconventionally beautiful in the way that she does have a, a little bit of a different-looking face. She does, yeah. Um, but in the book, she is I described... I don't think she's a very good actress, but... She is not a good actress at all. 
anyways, that was not the point. So I thought found it weird that they didn't cast somebody who was a little bit more stereotypically traditionally beautiful, traditionally beautiful because that is kind of how she's written into the book. And then like they have this crazy night of like vandalism and craziness, and then all of a sudden like he goes to school the next day expecting to see her, and he's been in love with her since he was a little kid, and then he shows up to school the next day and she's gone. So he and his friends start this like road trip to find her, and then when he finds her, like he felt like she was leaving him clues. And he was, like, sneaking into her room and, like, doing all this stuff and, like, finding all these clues. Problematic. So problematic. And so he's, like, searching for her and they go on this road trip. And then when he finally finds her, she's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, but I found you. I saved you. Isn't that what you wanted? No, Yeah, and she's like, no. And she gets on this bus and she leaves again. And in the book, he says, she was not an adventure. She was not a fine and precious thing. She was just a girl. And I feel like some people could see that as being like, just a girl. What do you mean? No, I don't see it that way at all. She's I think a human it's important. Being. She's, she's a human saying, being who did not exist for your your she's adventure not a, she's or not your an joy. Adventure. She's yeah. not this fine, precious, untouchable thing. No, she's a fucking person. She's just a girl. And what you did was creepy. Yes. And you need to like yeah. come to terms with that. Again, we've had this whole conversation when we talked about Say Anything, when we've talked about all these other movies. It's like, Stalking. that's not romantic. And we need to readjust what our idea of what is romantic and what is not. Yeah. Um, I've even had issues like lately with, God, I'm making myself sound like I was such this like player, which I totally wasn't. But I had this guy message me like a couple weeks ago who I haven't spoken to in like five years mm-hmm. um, and I, I cut off all of my ex relationships when Chris and I started getting serious because I felt like it was the right thing for me to do um, and we were not in a relationship but we like hooked up but he was again this makes me sound like I'm really full of myself but he really liked me so he sends me this like long message about like how I've never stopped thinking about you you deserve the best blah 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 and like it's creepy to me because he went back and like liked all of these old photos and like to me that's not romantic. I didn't I didn't respond because to me that's just showing that you're messaging me for your own like selfish like right. desire well, to feel something I and then to go back and like look through all of my Instagram posts and to constantly be trying to friend me on Facebook like what he's that's done, not a cute look. What he's done is and I think a lot of us are guilty of this. I, feel like I this know this is my therapy session. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I know that I have been guilty of this, and I'm sure that a lot of people have been guilty of this. Like, there are people from your past who maybe you had some kind of like interaction with that was that special meant to a you, lot to you. Yeah. and it meant a lot to you. And you can romanticize that person in your head right. and think that they are like this way or that way. And, and it I makes me feel you, good that maybe I helped him it, in some it way. It will make you but... feel good, but like the thing is, when you're on the other side of that. When you meet them again, they they're gonna let you down because yeah. nothing can ever live up to, to this idea that you you maybe had this amazing time with this person for yeah. a weekend or a month or several months and then lost contact with them and it's all been in your head yeah. about like what this person is like. Yeah. And I feel like that is the manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. The manic pixie dream girl is a manifestation of where your brain can go. In five hundred days of summer he does it. You can fantasize reality. Yes, yeah. exactly. About what this person is like. But when you do that, inevitably, even if you don't mean You're to be I down. do that it's it's you're dissolving them down into a one or two dimensional idea that it's an idea yeah and again i am not trying to fluff myself up and say that i'm some great person and all these guys are like whatever because i feel like that's totally how it sounds and like this is not a thing that happens to me on a daily basis just by the way but there have been a few instances where i feel that i have been affected by the manic pixie dream girl and i feel like in a way too like it's not really doing men much justice because it is teaching them a way of envisioning women uh, for being an idea instead of being people. Right, and if you you don't live up to... I I totally agree, and I think if you don't live up to that, then men have this idea that there must be something wrong with you. And women have this idea that there must be something wrong with us because why can't I just be this perfect? Yeah. And you you can't be. Or why can't I be quirky in a way that's cute and not off-putting? Yeah. You know, or why can't my my love of Belle and Sebastian manifest in other ways in my life that also make me this indie princess. Uh, and it, it, Yeah, it that doesn't make you into a stereotype. That just makes you into a person. Right. Yeah. And 
into a really cool, interesting person. Yeah. You know, and not one that tells like offbeat jokes or does things that are like right. What are, you are, think like, is cool, somebody else in the world is also going to think it's cool, and not just the idea of it being cool, but because they actually really like you for who you and are. And here's the thing, and that's why I always make the point too that I'm like. <laughs> I'm not that great. Like, I'm cool, and I'm quirky, and I'm weird, but, like, I don't associate with that trope at all for Well, myself. I mean, and also don't base your your love of someone or your like of someone, your infatuation with someone based on these kind of, like, outer markers, because I'm in the best relationship I've ever been in my life, and we are not only from, like, different generations, actually, yeah. but we're also, like... If if it was 15-year-old me, I'd be like, yeah, I want a fucking guy who's into the music that I'm into, and he's, like, artsy, and he's kind of, like, the opposite of the, what a manic pixie dream girl would want to be with. You yeah. know what I mean? That's what I want. That's what I'm going to end up with. But you cannot base your reality on those markers, because at the end of the day, that's not what matters the most. No, it's not. And honestly, the idea that that exists, that exactly, you know, like... Like, you're not going to be doesn't. able to find the perfect yeah. person or the person that fits exactly. Based honestly, on an that ideal that's in your brain. Me. Yeah. That would bore me. It would be very exciting for about two months. Yeah. Maybe. About a month, maybe. Yeah. And then after that, you would be like, there's nothing interesting about you. There's yeah. nothing unexpected. Yeah. Because that's what, that's what you want from life is this kind of, like, unexpected yeah, you know, I agree. I've got a couple examples here. Uh, an animated film example that I found was interesting but makes sense is Ellie in Up. If mm-hmm. you haven't seen Up, she is very much the catalyst for why Carl has decided to go on an adventure. On an adventure yeah. Because she was adventurous and he was this qu- quiet, shy guy and she opened him up. Not saying that it's a bad thing that this woman opened him up. It was a very good thing. But, but... for the sake of the movie... She was a man of pixie dream girl. Uh, we talked about Kirsten Dunst in Elizabethtown. There's Catherine Hepburn and Bringing Up Baby, which is very classic. I've never seen Bringing Up Baby. I've never seen it either, but I've heard I've heard of the film. You've got the other Hepburn. In Audrey Hepburn. Aud- Audrey Hepburn Tiffany's. in Breakfast at Tiffany's and in Roman Holiday. Yep. Both yep. of those. We have Clementine in Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. And you know what? About. I would also argue Winona Ryder in Reality Bites. It's yeah. a different kind. It's more of an edgy, less of like a fluffy. Winona Ryder, yeah, I feel like was kind of like the '90s manic pixie dream girl, right? In a way. And, and I feel like manic pixie dream girls have evolved, right? Like yeah. I feel like you have old school ones. It's slowly. There was actually an article that I skimmed through uh, called "Why Are Manic Pixie Dream Girls Getting Dumber?" Yeah, Bec- but again, it's very problematic because they're associating intelligence with girliness. They're saying it's fluffier, it's glitterier, mm-hmm. it's 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 quirkier in the Zoe Deschanel way, whereas. Yeah. In the 90s, they were edgier, yeah. but it was still swooping in to fulfill that, like, fantasy. Yeah, you know I even I mean? see, like, even though this is not a romantic film, when I would watch Girl Interrupted, yeah. when I would see Angelina Jolie and Winona Ryder, to me there was even a sense of, like, they were the cool girl, and they were, they were know, a cool they girl were fantasy. tarnished, yeah. yeah, because they were damaged, right? and that made them desirable in some way, and they had, you know, they talked about their relationship with men and things like that in the movie as well, but I'm yeah, not we'll, saying... Yeah, we'll have a cool girl episode, Yeah, that's, definitely. that's something as well. Yeah. So we talked about literature a little bit with John Green, but also, did you ever read Stargirl when you were no. little? <gasps> Keegan reads Stargirl! It's a kid's book, but it's so good. It's, Bye. Like, it's like a young, young adult. Just been, um. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. No, it totally matters, Keegan. You have to read it. Hold on. This was one of my favorite books in middle school. Jerry Spinelli. It looks vaguely familiar. Right? It's Jerry re- Spinelli sounds familiar. To you me. should read it. It's really good. If you guys haven't read Stargirl, even though this is the whole Manic Pixie Dream Girl kind of thing, it is incredibly... It's, it's an incredibly good book, mm-hmm. from what I remember. Maybe I'll, I would read it now and be totally pissed off at it. But when I read it as a young girl, I loved it. Also, uh, Sam and Perks of Being a Wallflower is yeah, very much a Manic Pixie sure. Dream Girl. Again, I love that book. Um, that is actually kind of ties into... I love we that were, book, too. When we were talking about, you know, we just did an episode. We just recorded The Red Pill earlier today. Yeah. Um, that episode that we did. Talking about abuse in men. And that, you know, for me, opened up another door to understanding that. And then in theater, something that I never really thought about, Maria in The Sound of Music. 
is kind of a manic pixie dream girl. I don't know. Because okay. she helps open the minds she, of... She does, and she's kind of like this artsy girl. But but here's where we start getting into where earlier we mentioned that That he, it could be a trap. Right. Like, yeah. earlier we mentioned because that... Because she is the main character, and usually main characters can't be it. Well, I mean, you can be, but I, I think for me, like, earlier we mentioned that the the author who coined the term manic pixie dream girl then later went on to regret it because everything fell into that trap. Mm -hmm. And I do think we do kind of need to like narrow our gaze into something a little bit more specific than, than any girl who swoops in to kind of like teach any guy, any lesson, um, you know, because I mean, but they, like she didn't disappear into a cloud. Of she smoke, didn't. You know what I mean? She she was a, she stuck around and he really did love her, but she did change him. So I feel like that's why people are seeing it that way. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's what I mean is that I feel like our scope has now gotten so large yeah. as to what we accept as to being this or that. You know. What do you think about the characters in Rent, like Mimi, Angel, Maureen? Uh, man, gosh, that's a good question. Having just said that, I feel like we need to narrow the scope of it a bit. I. I would the say main if character any, is the filmmaker I, I would guy, say right? if anyone was going to be a manic pixie dream girl in Rent, I would actually say it would it was Angel. Yeah, I think so too. You know what I mean? Because she did swoop in. She kind of completely changed the way that her partner felt about life. Really wanted him to enjoy life. Yeah, and, and embrace life. And then she she served her purpose and disappeared. Yeah, you know and what I mean. And her and her ideas and her legacy lived on as being this perfect thing yeah. because she died. And I don't yeah. want to say I I know I feel like we've come across as pretty hard on the manic pixie dream girl, and I do want to say that I believe that this trope kind of came about as a reason. It, it did. It came about because. For so long, we were seeing women as such prim, proper, like, housewife types, or the opposite of that, where it was, like, raging, lonely, like, spinster bitches or whatever, and there wasn't a lot that was in between that. Yeah, we had to normalize the quirky girl. We had to normalize the quirky girl. We had to make it okay for you to be a little weird and a little off and, like, march to the beat of your own drum, and so I think that the Manic Pixie Dream Girl does serve that purpose, and I'm grateful for that. I am. I just think we also need to see how it puts both men and women into this weird trap. Right. <laughs> like You have to at least understand what you're watching when you're watching it because to me it's kind of like problematic faves. And we were talking right. about John Lennon and Taylor Swift. Enjoy those movies. Yeah, it doesn't mean enjoy you can't enjoy those it. books. Agreed. But at least see them from the perspective of the fact that it could possibly be problematic in some ways. And you know you don't have to fulfill that fantasy for anybody. Like you it's, should just be who you, who you it's are. It's a movie. Yeah. It's you know, especially when it comes to fiction, you're it's supposed to take you away from reality. Yeah. And we want you to be dreamers. I'm not saying stick your head into reality and reality Keep dancing in the rain. Yes. Keep dancing in the rain. Dream about the perfect girl or dream about the perfect guy that you want to be with. Keep buying those vintage-esque dresses, man. Yeah. I love that shit. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Don't just, you know, enjoy the mystical, magical life of literature, movies, of life in general. But both men and women understand that you can be a fully three-dimensional, actualized, human-being person who has good days and bad days. And still be quirky and Right, and still have that aesthetic that you think is so cool and fun. And men also, like, yeah, understand that the girl that you're with is not an idea. She's not a concept. She's a person. I wonder, this, again, just came into my head, I wonder why they, they call them just manic because they're crazy and quirky? I think because they're they're a little all over the place. They're a little like, you know, here, there, and everywhere. You yeah. know, I think that's why they say it. But it does evoke... And then Pixie, to me, when I think of it, is like the short hair, tiny, petite, Well, they a lot childlike. of them do have that. They have that kind of energy. Yeah, and childlike, when I read, playful. He, he did talk about why he used the term Pixie. I wish I had written it down. Um, but I think it was, it was because it was kind of like, it's the magical Negro trope, right? It's like, it's fantastical. It's like he, they, they swoop in and they, they but they're are manic, magical. And but they're manic because they're, they have so much energy. All over the place. And they're yeah. usually playing to a straight man, right? They're pl- not, not straight as in as sexuality, but they're playing to like a, um, serious guy, yeah. right? You know, like in comedy, they say there's like there's the comedian and then there's the straight man, the person yeah. who's, who's there to like help move the story along, right? Yeah. And the manic pixie dream girl is playing to that. They're playing yeah, to a I guy who's like kind of like the wording is so interesting. Yeah, manic pixie dream girl. It's like the crazy girl. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it's it's good crazy though. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not crazy crazy. Yeah, that's why I said you know be quirky, but don't be weird. Don't be too don't be too quirky. Yeah. Don't have an actual mental illness. 
<laughs> then you've crossed a line. Don't be crazy ex-girlfriend where yeah. you actually have like BPD. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <sighs> it's it's an interesting thing. It's it such is. an inter I could probably talk about this forever. It's such an I interesting could too. thing. But I feel like we made some good points. I feel like this was a nice like therapy session for me to be able to like air out some of my grievances with yeah. like, men in my life. So yeah. thank you for that, listeners, and to Keegan. You're welcome. Um well with that said, if you have any stories that you want to share with us, agreed. Please, please email us. We love getting your stories. Email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram because that's where shit goes down. Yep. That's where we're at most of the time. Um, our Instagram is at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can get us on Twitter at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. podcast. Um, you can get us on Facebook, both our business page and our Facebook group. Uh, join us. Um, you know, contribute to the discussion. We want to hear your thoughts on these things. We want to know what it was like for you growing up in the time of the manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Because it, it was an interesting time for us to grow up. Definitely. You know? I don't know. Do you have anything else? Um, remember to rate and review us yes, on please. iTunes. That helps us out a lot on the business standpoint. And um, send in your sister solidarity stories. Send us your coming out stories. Send us... Yeah, we're still getting coming out stories. It's great. Yeah, we are. I mean, just send us fucking anything, guys. Yeah, we just, just want to hear from you. Yeah, t- tell us your opinions about the episodes you've heard. What's tell your favorite your Bell input. and Sebastian song? Let me know. <laughs> I want to know. Oh, man. Guys, I love you. Okay, so I guess, you know, let's just wrap this shit up. Yes. And with that being said, we encourage you to, to rage on. Bye. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.